Well, we are in a message series on the book of Ruth, and it's called Rescued. So I'm going to give a, a brief summary of what's happened so far in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth begins with uh, Naomi moving with her husband and two sons from the country of Judah. There's a famine there, and they move into a neighboring pagan country of Moab where idols are worshipped. And in Moab, Naomi's two sons get married to two Moabite wives. And then tragedy strikes. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, he dies, and her two sons die. And so we therefore have three widows. And one of the widows' names is Ruth. And Ruth, through Naomi's witness, becomes a believer and decides to accompany Naomi back to her homeland of Judah. So they come back to Judah, two widows, an older one and a younger one. Ruth begins to support them by gleaning grain in the surrounding fields. And while she's doing that, she meets a godly man named Boaz. And Boaz begins to treat her kindly. And so God gives Naomi a plan, and she shares it with Ruth to propose marriage to Boaz. And Ruth proposes marriage to him, and Boaz accepts, but there are complications. And that brings us to our message today, which I've entitled, Rescued from the Past. And so in our story, the, the past of Naomi and Ruth is, is really shrouded in tragedy, the death of three people in their lives, and they're left with no one except themselves. They're left alone, a younger and an older widow, no one to protect them, no one to provide for them, and the fate of a, or the lot of a widow back then is even Worse than it is today. It's not easy today to lose your husband. But back then it was even more serious. But we're starting to see some hope as we go through this story. Some hope of Ruth and Naomi being rescued through the kindness of Boaz. Boaz had treated them very kindly. He's helped them in many ways. And they have enough food to eat now. And so God loves to rescue people. That's what we're going to talk about today. When the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, God rescued them and brought them out and brought them eventually into the promised land. In the preceding book of Judges, Judges Ruth in the Old Testament, God uses people to rescue, uh, uses judges to rescue his people from attackers and invaders. Some of the most well-known are Gideon and Samson. And God still rescues people today. Verse, first verse we want to look at, and you can follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has this outline and, the, and uh, the verses written out here. On the back is some questions that you can use in your own studies. They're used in many of the life groups as well that meet during the week. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. And so every person who does not believe in Jesus Christ is, is in the dominion of darkness. That's what the Bible teaches us. And God rescues people from their sin through forgiveness. And he brings them into the kingdom of God. And this process of being rescued is called, in these verses, redemption. Redemption means that Jesus redeems people from their sin by paying the penalty for their sin. See, the penalty for sin is death, eternal death. And Jesus died on the cross, a perfect person, a, the very Son of God, to pay the penalty for our sin. 
And because he's redeemed us and paid that penalty, he sets people free from Satan's dominion. And so in our story of Ruth, Boaz is a redeemer recognized by Naomi and Ruth. The very end of Ruth chapter 3, Ruth talks to Boaz and says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, in the Old Testament, a redeemer was the closest blood relative, the closest male relative to a deceased husband. And so in this case, Boaz was a relative of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. And so he could be the redeemer for the family of Naomi and Ruth. And so in some ways, Boaz is a type of the great redeemer who was to come Christ. And so we're going to talk about what Boaz does. And as we continue the story today, we're going to see two applications for our lives. This is not just a story from thousands of years ago. It is a true story. But it has application for us today. If, if you're in trouble today, if you're not a believer then God wants to rescue you. And for those of us who have been rescued, for those of us who have been redeemed, or we might sometimes we say we're saved, God wants to use us to help to rescue other people. And so on our outline today, we're going to follow Boaz as a redeemer, an Old Testament redeemer, to learn how God wants to use us to rescue others. And God wants to use us as we follow God's rescue plan. And so as we've studied the book of Ruth, we've seen God at work behind the scenes in many different ways. Ruth raised and lived in a country of Moab where everybody worshipped idols. The chief idol there was an idol named Chemosh. And yet God worked in her heart. And she became a believer. And of course, that's a key part of this story. And then God arranged Ruth to meet Boaz as she was working in the fields. There were fields all across Judah, and yet the field that she was working in, God arranged for her to meet Boaz, even though she had no idea who he was. And then God gave Naomi a wise plan for Ruth to propose to Boaz. And now it was Boaz's part, it's his turn to play his part in God's plan. And so Boaz Follow God's plan, and he prepared faithfully. And so today we're going to begin Ruth uh, in Ruth chapter 4. There's four chapters in Ruth, so we're coming close to the end. We'll conclude the series next Sunday in the second part of chapter 4. But let's begin in verse 1. It says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Now our story last Sunday at the end of chapter 3 was Naomi was speaking to Ruth about Boaz and what had happened with him. And that very same day as Ruth was talking to Naomi, Boaz had already gone to the city gate. And at that time, the city gate was the place of business where important people met to do the business of the town. And so Boaz prepared. He went to this place where important town business was done. And just as Boaz was there, another, this other redeemer happened to come by in God's providence, in God's timing. And now remember now that this other redeemer was closer to Naomi's deceased husband than Boaz was. If this 
other redeemer chose to redeem Ruth and Naomi, then he would have the option of doing so. He would have the first choice. And so Boaz then asked this nameless redeemer to take a seat. And then he got ten elders of the city to, to be witnesses to this important business. I'm going to try to describe this so we can understand it. You know, the way they did things back then with all this redeeming stuff is very different than the way we do things here today. I'll try to I'll explain it as, as best I understand it. And so Boaz was following God's plan. He was doing things orderly. He's doing things uh, according to the, the regulations and laws of his day. He had prepared faithfully, and then he began to execute the plan. And so Boaz said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. Again, Elimelech was Naomi's deceased husband. And so I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, this is the unknown, unnamed redeemer, I will redeem it. And so in the Old Testament, a, a, the land was always to stay in a family. It was to stay with a family's head. In this case, Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. Now, Naomi and Elimelech had moved to Moab. And my understanding is that someone else had been given the right to use the land as they had left the country. And so now one of Elimelech's close relatives, this Either this unnamed redeemer or Boaz is given the opportunity to purchase the rights to the land. Now, as we'll see, the redeemer also should marry into the family so he could raise up an heir to continue the family on its land after, he, after the redeemer passed away. And so this unknown redeemer that Boaz is talking to, he was most certainly aware of Naomi and Ruth's plight. Because the news of them returning from Moab was across the whole town of Bethlehem. But he'd done how much to help them? Absolutely nothing. Two widows, they're all alone, done absolutely nothing to help them. Boaz, on the other hand, once he became aware of Ruth, had gone out of his way to help her, to show love and support, not only for Ruth, but for Naomi as well. And we've read about that as we've gone through the book of Ruth. And so this unnamed redeemer was a closer relative to Elimelech than Boaz, and so he had the first option to redeem the land. And he said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to uh, take this land. And so Boaz now had to deal with some opposition. I mean, this was really not the way we expected things to go. Things that appeared to go the wrong way. This unnamed redeemer said, I want to do it. And if he did it, then Boaz couldn't do it. If Boaz couldn't redeem the land, then the relationship with Ruth wasn't going to work out. And so there was opposition, uh, some roadblocks, as Boaz began to carry out the plan. This other redeemer, who as far as we can see, didn't have the character or godliness of Boaz, who hadn't helped the two widows at all, now desires to purchase the land. But Boaz doesn't give up. Uh, verse 5, then Boaz said, and it said, The day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi... You will also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, 
in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. And so Boaz now adds some details about the transaction. He says, when the land is redeemed, the Redeemer also acquires Ruth the widow, so that the family line can continue with the land. So this was all based on something in the Old Testament called Leverate marriage, and uh, we're not going to go into that because that's even more complicated. But the unnamed redeemer uh, then says that he cannot redeem the land. Now, why did he say that? Because if he would marry Ruth and they would have a son, the son would then become the heir of the field. In essence, he would lose the field to the son. And he was only interested in his own family. He really wasn't interested in helping Naomi. Uh, he's, what's in it for me? Oh, no, I'm not going to pay for something and then lose it to somebody else. And so I'm not going to do it. And so Boaz now, uh, as we'll see, is able to overcome this opposition to the plan. Now, one of the most important words in the Old Testament and in the book of Ruth is a Hebrew word, uh, which is, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, is hesed, hesed. Scholars tell me it's impossible to translate hesed into English with just one word. It means, hesed means things like love, it means compassion, it means faithfulness, it means kindness. All, all those things rolled up into one word. And in the Old Testament, the word hesed is used two-thirds of the time to describe how God deals with people. And the other third, it's, it talks about how people deal with one another. And so we see that God shows Hesed, in the book of Ruth, he shows his kindness, his love to Ruth and to Naomi. The book of Ruth tells us that Ruth shows Hesed and Boaz shows Hesed, both of them acting in a godly way. And as Boaz acted with this godly character or Hesed towards Ruth and towards other people such as Naomi, so God desires us to show Hesed or his love to everyone around us. And so who around you is going through trouble in life? You see, these two widows were in a difficult time, and, and Boaz showed hesed to them, showed love towards them. Who around you is going through trouble in life? If you're aware of somebody going through trouble, then God wants you to show them his love. God wants to use you to, to help rescue them in their trouble or difficulty. And now you and I don't have the strength, we don't have the ability, we don't always have the resources to rescue people on our own, but we serve a God who has the ability and the strength to help people. And as we wait upon Him, God can use us and give us a plan to help others around us. God's going to open our, our eyes, God's going to open our eyes to people around us, and as we help people, it will open their eyes to see that God is alive, that God has a plan for them, that God loves them, that God cares about them. And so let us pray that God would use us to follow his rescue plan for others. And so Boaz was following God's rescue plan for these two widows, Naomi and Ruth, and now he had to finish the plan. Our story continues in verse 7. And so it takes perseverance to finish the plans that God has for us. Sometimes there's opposition. Sometimes we're tempted to quit before the plan is finished. 
So let's see how Boaz finished being the redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. It's verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, he drew off his sandal. Well, it used to be, right, in America that your handshake was your word of honor, right? Now today, you usually, handshake is not enough, right? You have to sign on the dotted line. Your signature is your, is your commitment to completing a deal or whatever you do. But back then, it was taking off your sandal and giving it to the other person. I guess your sandal represented where you stood, and you are giving that to the other person. And so this other unnamed redeemer takes off his sandal and gives it to Boaz. And so he has agreed that he is not going to redeem the land. And Boaz now is able to do it. And one of the things in the Bible is that those people who have no names are generally not highly regarded people. So we don't know the name of this unnamed redeemer, but he is not regarded highly for his lack of compassion and help for the two widows. And so Boaz then says in verse 9 to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. And so to make this a legal transaction, he had assembled ten elders. There was now a crowd watching everything going on. And then he states, Boaz states in legal language what he is now doing. He's buying or redeeming the land that had previously belonged to Naomi's husband, Elimelech, and his two, uh, and his two sons, which is this Kilion and Malon. And so the land would now be owned by Boaz, or at least he would have the right to use the land, a close relative and family member of Elimelech. It would stay in the family line. But the land redemption had a second implication. Verse 10, as Ruth the Moabite, this is Boaz still speaking, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead man may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. And so Boaz was now officially accepting Ruth's proposal to be the family's redeemer and to marry her. And I think in the custom of that time, after Boaz's speech here, they were now officially married. And so their children would then be heirs to the land. The family's name would continue down through the generations. And we're going to talk more about the significance of that, which is significant down to our day next Sunday. And so Boaz brought to a successful conclusion the Lord's plan. And the end result was that Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, and their children would once again live on the land that God had given to their family. Again, I'd like us to think about the people that we know. Now, we're not studying this just to understand something that happened thousands of years ago. We want to see how it applies to us today. So think about your relatives, your neighbors, your schoolmates, perhaps, your workmates, your friends. Now, every person that you know, God has a plan for their lives. That's something we maybe don't think about enough. God has a plan for everybody's life that you know. 
Now, not everybody follows God's plan for their lives, but God has a plan. And to rescue those, God's plan for everybody is those who are not yet saved, God's plan is to rescue them, that they would be saved and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God has a plan to help people who are in trouble. He wants to help people. He doesn't enjoy people being in trouble in ministry. And so the people that you know, you know for a reason. It's part of God's plan for your life that you know the people around you. It's not happenstance. It's not coincidence. It's not just luck. This unnamed redeemer in Ruth had no interest in anyone but himself, but Boaz accepted his part in God's plan as Naomi and Ruth came into his life. And we read about his story thousands of years later. God has honored his name and also the name of Ruth as they followed his plan for their lives. And so we need to ask God, how can we help those around us find and fulfill God's plan for their lives? And of course, as we help them, we are fulfilling God's plan for our life. And it all works together in a wonderful way. Sometimes just a word of wisdom. Sometimes just a, an act of kindness is the next step in God's plan to help someone else. And as we follow, as we finish God's plans in our lives, helping other people, again, everybody you know, God has a plan for. And everybody you know, you have a part to play in that plan. Maybe not the whole thing, but you have a part to play. And as we follow God's plan, we will receive God's blessing. Ruth 4, verse 11, Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And so all these witnesses that were there at the city gate, witnesses to Boaz's redemption of the land and his redemption of Ruth, his marrying Ruth, now pronounced God's blessing upon them. First of all, the first blessing was Upon Ruth, the woman who is coming into your house, that she would be like Rachel and Leah. Now, who were Rachel and Leah? Rachel and Leah were the wives of Jacob, and they were ultimately responsible for the 12 sons of Jacob that give us the 12 tribes of Israel. So they were basically the, found, the mothers of the founding fathers of Israel. And so the blessing on Ruth is that she would bear children that would have an impact down through the generations. And that we'll see that she certainly did as we, as we study who her children were next, next Sunday. Next was a blessing on Boaz, that he would continue to act worthily as he had and become famous in his home, hometown, the town of Bethlehem. Of course, it's no coincidence what happened in the town of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Well, we'll see how that all works out next Sunday. And then it continues in verse 12. 
It says, And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. And so the final blessing of the people was on the house of Boaz, and that, of course, included Ruth, who was going to be the wife of Boaz. The blessing was that the house of Boaz would be like the house of Perez. Now, Perez was born to Judah and Tamar under uh, scandalous circumstances, which we won't get into today. Uh, but he became one of the leading families in Judah. And we see this over and over again, that God uses people. Uh, sometimes we're born in situations that um, are very, were very wrong for the parents, but yet God uses people. And Perez was a direct ancestor of Boaz. And so he was, I forget how many generations back, but he was a great, 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 or something like that, grandfather of Boaz. Now, Tamar was similar to Ruth, that she was a widow twice over. She had two husbands die before she conceived a child with Judah out of wedlock. And this child ultimately had great significance, as we're going to see next week. Now, remember that Ruth and Moab had a childless marriage for 10 years before her husband died. She bore no, no children there, and yet now the blessing is that she's going to have children when she marries again by the hand of the Lord. And so the character and actions of Ruth and Boaz are going to be blessed by God. And so here we begin to see the, the fruit of lives that are faithfully lived out in, by the love of God. They faithfully live out God's love, and they receive God's love. God blesses those who follow his plan and obey him. Both Ruth and Naomi had tragedy strike their lives. Death of their husband, husbands and Naomi's sons. We don't know the whole story of Boaz, but there may well have been tragedy there. Boaz was an older bachelor. Why? That wasn't very common back then. Perhaps he was a widower as well. We don't know. And yet they chose to be faithful to God. They chose to show love to one another, and the end result was God's blessing on their lives and their children. And we're going to understand uh, that blessing was not just for their generation. It extended down through the years, and it actually comes down to us. And we'll talk about that next Sunday in the message entitled Part of the plan. And so life is not just a random set of circumstances for anybody. A lot of people believe life is just random. Things happen to believers and unbelievers. Life is not a random set of circumstances for anyone, whether believer or unbeliever. God is in control. He's sovereignly moving and carrying out his plans. And our choice is to seek to follow God's plan for our lives or to follow our own plans, what we think is best. That's a choice everybody has. Am I going to follow God's plans, or am I going to follow my own? And when we follow our own plans, the Bible calls that sin. Our own plans bring pain. Our own plans bring harm to ourselves and to other people. Our own plans are never founded on God's love, but rather our own selfishness. We want what we think is best for us. In fact, it's, not, it's never best for us. God's plan is what's best for us. God's plan is what's best for other people. And so if we want blessing on our lives, if we want blessing on our children's lives, 
we must discover and follow God's plan. And so God wants to rescue you from the past and use you to rescue others as well. It's part of God's plan for your life. 